Welcome to Healing Place Church, where our mission is to be a healing place for a hurting world. Listen each week for updated content and be sure to share with your friends. We hope this podcast is a blessing and a resource to you as you pursue God daily. If you have your Bibles, turn to the book of Colossians, the book of Colossians, Paul's letter to the church, to the Christians in Colossae. We are finishing this series called No Filter. Somebody say No Filter. And uh, man, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, we, uh, we have used social media as kind of the picture to walk through things about identity. This is basically a series about identity. If you remember when we kicked this off, it was that four weeks ago, five weeks ago, we talked about filtered faces and how God wants to remove the veil. You know, I, I believe God's wanting to bring a spirit of authenticity and honesty and humility back into the church. And we talked about that. We talked about week two, being in Christ, what it means to be in Christ. And who you are is determined by whose you are. Can I have a good amen? Week three, we talked about how to fight temptation, uh, using your identity um, and not buying the lies of the enemy. And last week, if you were here, we talked about throwing off the old self and putting on the new self. Today, I want to finish this series, uh, and the title of the message today is simply this, Becoming an Influencer. Becoming an Influencer. Um, what is a social media influencer? I remember asking my son years ago, Trevor, what do you want to be when you grow up? He said, Dad, I want to be a YouTuber. I was like, what are you, a YouTuber? What's that? And again, this is new territory for me because I didn't grow up with social media. We didn't even have the internet. Come on, somebody. I didn't have text messages and Facebook and FaceTime and all of these things. A YouTuber, he's like, Dad, these are people that post videos on YouTube and they make lots of money. Like, that's kind of an interesting concept. What is a social media influencer? It's someone who has the power to affect the purchasing decisions of others, maybe because of their authority, their knowledge, their position, or their relationship with their audience. I did a little study on social media influencers, and it's interesting the money that can be made out there. Oh my goodness, there's certain tiers, certain levels of social media influencers. If you have so many followers, if, if you have up to like 10,000 followers, I, again, this is brand new information, but if you have like 10,000 followers on your social media platform, you, you can make a post and get up to $100 per post. If you have 50,000 followers, you can get up to $500 a post. If you, if you have up to a million followers, you can make $10,000 for every single time you post. And then there's the mega influencers. They have over a million. They can make anywhere from $100,000 to $1.5 million a post. Whew. And I just thought you, you, you took a picture of what you were eating for breakfast and told everybody and said, hey... I'm having oatmeal. How's your day? Man, it's, it's crazy. Influencers. And some of you that participate in social media, you, you follow people. Maybe it's in the, the, the realm of sports or, or maybe it's nutrition. And, you know, maybe there's a healthy alternative, you know, food babe. And maybe you're just checking out, man, everything that she's posting. Or maybe it's clothing or it's home decor. There's all different kinds of, of, of topics and influencers that post 
And back in my day, it wasn't social media, but it was sports. And so I just followed Jordan, you know, Michael Jordan back in the day. Do you know that in 1984, Jordan signed his first contract with Nike for $250,000. Okay, that was back in 84. He signed it with Nike for a quarter of a million. Last year, now, Jordan has his own brand. So it's no longer Jordan getting paid by Nike, but now Jordan has his own brand. And last year alone, the Jordan brand made over $5 billion. It's amazing how everybody's trying to build their brand. You know, technology has changed things, but it's, it's kind of amplified things. And everybody's, you know, trying to, how do, I, how do I build my brand? How do I increase my platform? You know, Jesus had influencers in his days. There were spiritual influencers called the Pharisees. And they were the ones who, through legalism and religion, tried to control their environment. They put heavy burdens on people that they themselves couldn't even live up to. There were religious influencers. There were political influencers in Jesus' day. The Sadducees, and they tried to use uh, uh, spiritual positions to gain political power. And so all throughout history, we see this idea of influence. But yet Jesus shows up on the scene and he says, I want to do this in a different way. I'm not going to use religion to strap bondage on people, but I want to introduce this idea of relationship to set people free. Can I have a good amen? And you know, as believers, as followers of Christ, each one of us are called to be an influence. God has given you a platform, whether you have social media or not. I'm telling you this, every person within the sound of my voice has a certain amount of influence. And today I want to talk to you about how to leverage that for the kingdom of God. Now, if you have your Bibles, look at Colossians chapter 4. And I want to read to you two verses that I think I'm going to do my best. I have a lot of information to give you today. And I'm going to try to reach the end of it. Uh, and, and give you everything God's put in my heart. But in two verses, I think there's so much that the Apostle Paul talks about that teaches us about how to leverage our influence for the kingdom of God, how to grow our influence and use it to impact people for good. Colossians chapter 4, starting with verse 5. Paul said this. He said, live wisely. Somebody say, live wisely. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. Can I have a good amen? So much packed into these two small verses. Now, let me give you some context here. This letter that Paul is writing to Colossians, he's writing from prison. He is... He is being confined because of his ministry, his faith and trust in the Lord. And here he is in prison, but he's pinning these words to a church, helping them to understand, here's why God has placed you on the earth. And here's how you can use your time and make the most of every opportunity. I want to give you several thoughts out of these two verses. And if you're taking notes, the first is simply this. Number one, God wants us, he wants us to live differently to live differently. There has to be something that distinguishes you from the world around you. We are different 
in order to make a difference. How many of you know you can't make a difference if you're the same as everything around you? You know, for the longest time, I, I, I just wanted to fit in. I, I, I didn't want to rock the boat. I wanted to be popular. I wanted to be in the in crowd and what, whatever I needed to do to, to just fit in. And you know, it just never seemed to work for me. It just didn't work. I was so miserable trying to fit in until I realized, wait a second, God made me different to make a difference. I can't affect change in the world around me if what's on the inside of me is consistent with everything that's around me. You know, the Bible talks about being salt and light. Can I have a good amen? You know, there's got to be something distinctively different inside of us. You know, and when I got that revelation that I would never fit in, oh, it was freeing. It set me free. It's such a chore to try to conform to the spirit of this world, to try to, to be politically correct or culturally correct. I, I, just, I, I, I believe that God wants people to be so committed to this book that we will stand up, stand out, and influence change in our world. Let me ask you this. Why would the world ever want to come to the church if when they get here, all they're going to find is more of themselves. Come on, somebody say different. different. To make a difference. How many of you, you want to make a difference in this world? God, I'm not just occupying space and filling time and just counting the days till you come back. No, listen, if God wanted you to be in heaven right now, you wouldn't be here. He'd take you home. But God saves you and he sets you free and then he leaves you here. He puts you here in this broken, messed up world. And you're saying, God, why don't you do something? And God's saying, I am through you. I wish somebody would do something. Have you ever felt that? You ever watch the news and you're throwing up your hands and be like, oh my goodness, somebody needs to do something. Drive through your community and you think, man, somebody's got to do something. And God's like, yes, you've. I've saved you. I've set you apart. I've put a different spirit inside of you. You don't walk like, act like, talk like, think like, do like everybody else. And the minute you embrace that you are different is where you position yourself to make a difference now. Oh, this is so important. Our faith must infiltrate every area of our lives. There's no area that's off limits to God. Now, you know, I, I think in the South, we are spoiled. How many of you know we are spoiled down here in the South? Oh, man, it's like God took a little bit of heaven and put it right down here in South Louisiana, and he said, here, man, this is how people eat. This is what food is all about. This is what relationships are about. This is what community is about. This is what family is about. Man, I, I feel like, uh, you know, the, the, the people in other parts of the country and world, they've got to be jealous when they look at us. You know, we got sweet tea down here in the South. Come on, talk to me. Talk to me. You know, it, it bothers me when I travel in different places and I'm at a restaurant and I say, listen, you know, what would they ask? What would you like to drink? I say, you know what? Do you have sweet tea? And they say, Sure. We have those sugar, that little packets right there. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's their definition of sweet tea is like the, the little equal or sweet and low or, you know, little pink or yellow or blue packets. Like, no. 
And they're like, yeah, 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 that, 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 sweet. we got packets right there. You, have you ever tried that? You ever tried to put those packets in your tea? It ain't sweet tea, I'm telling you right now. It's not. I don't care how many packets you put in that, that glass, it's always, and you can stir and stir and stir, that's still bitter water right there. They don't know how to make sweet tea, but in the South, come on, talk to me. We know how to do it right. Man, you take tea bags and boil some water and you let those tea bags steep in that and just get nice and rich, that rich flavor, and then you put in like a couple of cups of the real stuff, like, you know, that pure cane sugar type stuff. Don't give me the little packets. But you got to do it while the water's hot, right? And then you stir, come on, somebody. And then the, 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 the elements, that consistency, it's not laying at the bottom of the glass, but it just affects the entire, every square foot, every square inch of that, whatever it is, you just, thank you, Lord. Now, I went out of the way to talk to you about how your faith does not need to be compartmentalized. It doesn't just need to stay at the bottom of the glass. Come on, talk to me. Oh, man, well, Jesus is good for Sunday. Can I tell you? He still works on Monday, too. Man, when we say yes to Jesus, his spirit comes into our spirit. And he doesn't just settle at the bottom when we need him. He's a part of every area of our lives. Man, when I said yes to Jesus, it changed the, the nature of my relationships now. My friendships are based on different values. It's not like, well, Jesus is just a Sunday thing. No, he comes with me on Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday on good days and bad days and when I feel like it and when I don't feel like it. Jesus affects every area of our lives. We are different in order to make a difference. And when I said yes to Jesus, now it, it changes my thoughts on money. Uh, man, it, it's, 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 man, it's not for me to try to control and hoard. I'm not an owner. I'm a steward. God, it didn't come from me. And so it's not going to stay with me. Lord, how do you want to use me to bless somebody else? It, it, it affects entertainment, what I watch on TV. It affects the choices that I make, both in public and in private. I'm not one way on stage and another way at my house. Man, it's like Jesus is like sweet tea. Come on, somebody. Oh, man, it's a part of everything that we say and do. I think about the three Hebrew boys in Daniel chapter 3. Nebuchadnezzar, the, the king of Babylon, built this 90-foot statue, and it was a, a statue of himself, 90 feet tall. Come on, you talk about narcissistic. Man, he would have been one of those people that post about himself every single day. And here was the law of the land. Listen, when the band begins to play, when you hear the sound of music, then you got to stop what you're doing, and you must bow to that statue of me. But there were three boys. They didn't get the memo. They had been taught by their parents, you serve one God, and you have no other gods before him. You see, listen, they, had, they may have been in Babylon, but Babylon was not inside of them. They were different in order to make a difference. Now, here was the rule. If you don't bow, you're going to burn. And so they knew the consequences. There was a fiery furnace for those who would dare defy the orders of the king. But yet when the music played, they stood 
Can I tell you, church, God is looking for men and women with the courage and conviction to stand. You know what? We live in a bow-down world, and God's looking for some stand-up Christians. It takes strength to stand. It takes courage to stand. The music began to play, and everybody bowed except for Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. No, we're not going to bend. We're not going to bow. And so then Nebuchadnezzar said, okay, well, you're going to burn. So he took those three boys and he threw them into that furnace and he told his, his people, turn it up seven times hotter. Can I tell you this? When you turn up the heat in your relationship with Jesus, the devil's going to try to turn up the heat on you. They're in that furnace and then the king's looking and he says, wait a second. How many boys did we put in that fire? Well, we, we put in three and the king says, wait a second, I see four. And the fourth looks like the son of a God. Guess what? It was Jesus that stood with them in that furnace. You know what that tells me, church? When we stand for God, he stands with us. Those boys, they didn't bend, they didn't bow, they didn't burn. And so the king said, whoa, 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 time out. Get those boys out of here. And then there's, there's Rakshak and Benny, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. They just walk around. Hey, what's up? What's up? Hey, what's happening? They're like, what? what, what, I, gee, what? Okay, new rule, new rule. We're not bowing to that statue that I made. We're going to bow to the God of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. God's looking for people who will live differently because they have a different spirit. So many people are chasing fame, but they're neglecting faithfulness. I'm telling you, this is for all you high school students and all, all, all of you next gen, all the, the millennials and men you've grown up with social media. Be careful. Be careful. You know, we're chasing fame and we've neglected faithfulness. In our obsession with extraordinary, we have neglected the power in the ordinary. Too many people are looking for that one-time extraordinary moment that'll create 10,000 likes. How about we live 10,000 ordinary moments for the like of our Heavenly Father? Can we be faithful in the mundane? Come on, Monday and Tuesday and Wednesday when nobody's watching, God sees. I mean, we're different in order to make a difference. Paul said, live wisely. That means you got to be different. Uh, look at what it says here, verse 5. Live wisely among those who are not believers and make the most of every opportunity. Number one, we live differently, but number two, we live publicly. We live publicly. Notice he says, live wisely among those who are not believers. You say, well, pastor, my faith is personal. True. Your faith is personal, but it's never private. When Jesus called people to follow him, he always called them publicly. And I know in churches, you know, in our church, we say, you know, bow your heads and close your eyes. And we do that to create a, a, a just a, a private moment with you and God. But you know, Jesus' only altar call was drop your nets and follow me. There was no keys playing in the background. Come on. There was no kind of set the mood music and have that moment. It was like, hey, I mean, leave your father and mother. Walk away from your jobs. Walk away from safety and comfort and predictability. Leave everything that you know and come be my disciple. 
Jesus always called people publicly. And your faith, yes, it is personal, but it's never private. You have a personal relationship with the Lord. When you say yes to the Lord, there's something intimate and and sacred that happens on the inside of you. But what's on the inside is supposed to come out. Uh, God hasn't saved us to be secret agent Christians. Shh, hey, don't want anybody to know, but I love Jesus. You do? And you don't want anybody to know? Okay, look, let me ask you this. When when Rachel and I got engaged, okay, I had just thought just now. I mean, this just hit me. When When I asked her to be my wife and I put a ring, an engagement ring on her finger, part of what I wanted her to do was be like, Yes, yes, I love you, I love you. I want the world to know. And then just taking all the pictures of her ring and just showing her friends and say, look, man, she's got to go public with her love. Come on, somebody. She can't be like, oh, I, shh, yes, my answer, don't tell anybody, but my answer is yes. How many know that ain't love? I'll be like, give me that ring back, baby. I, I, I paid way too much for that, for you to go secret. Come on, somebody. You know, there's a process, you get pulled over by a police officer, somebody gets arrested, and well, hey, you have the right to remain silent. They they read you your rights. You have the right to remain silent. Listen, as believers, we have the responsibility to live out loud. We don't remain silent about our faith, but there's something very public. What's on the inside has to make its way to the outside. I love what D.L. Moody said. This quote, uh, D.L. Moody said this, out of a hundred men, one will read the Bible, but the other 99 will read the Christian. You see, most people aren't reading this book. We live in a very biblically illiterate time. People don't know the scriptures because they don't read the scriptures, but guess what? They're reading your life. They're reading my life. Out of 100 men, 99, they're not going to read the Bible, but they're going to read how you act when you come to work on Monday. They're checking out your social media posts to find out, okay, what's he about? What's she about? They're studying you. They're reading you. Can I have a good amen? They may never read the Bible, but what kind of message are they getting about God when they read your life? Here's what Paul said in 2 Corinthians 3. He says, the only letter of recommendation we need is you yourselves. Your lives are a letter written in our hearts. Everyone can read it and recognize our good work among you. Clearly, you are a letter from Christ showing the result of our ministry among you. This letter is not written with pen and ink, but with the spirit of the living God. It's carved not on tables of stone, but on human Hearts, You see, listen, people are watching you. They're watching me. Uh, There's there's nothing hidden. Sometimes we think we do stuff in a vacuum and nobody sees, but listen, God sees. And other people, they study us. You know, Jesus said, you don't light a candle and then hide it under a basket. What do you do when you light a candle? You put it on a, a stand for everyone to see. The scripture reminds us that as believers, we are a city on a hill. 
There's something very visible. There's a message that God's trying to get to the world through you and me. My question is, what is that message? First of all, we are different in order to make a difference. But then secondly, we live a public life. We live out loud. Now listen, power in public comes from purity in private. You know, so if we want to talk about influence, I think we can take a moment to talk about integrity and holiness character. You see, listen, just because you're pretty and good looking and have a lot of followers on social media doesn't necessarily mean you have the influence that God wants to give. I'm not talking about celebrity status in church. There's only one celebrity and his name is Jesus. He is the man. We're just serving him. I'm just a nobody trying to tell everybody about somebody that can save anybody. Lord, less of me and more of you, God. Lord, as I decrease, you increase. Lord, would you use some simple, ordinary, backwoods boy from Missouri? Man, I'm from the trailer parks of Fredericktown, Missouri, man. You've never heard of Fredericktown. You've never been to Fredericktown. You don't want to go to Fredericktown. God, if you can take me from the trailer parks of southeast Missouri, bring me to the bayous of Baton Rouge, Lord. And you just use simple, ordinary people like us that make much of God. Uh, when you came here today, I hope you didn't come to be entertained by the pastor. Because listen, I will disappoint you every time. But there is one who will never disappoint you. There's one who will never discourage you. There's one who will never let you down. We are here to make much of Jesus. And if Jesus, I mean, think about it. When Jesus was crucified, he carried his cross through what was called the Via Della Rosa. And I've walked that place in Jerusalem. I've walked that winding roads. It was through the marketplace, through the city square. He was through the multitudes of people. His life, when he was crucified, it wasn't private. It was very public. In fact, when they nailed him to the cross, they put his crimes on the cross, and they had to write it in three different languages because the place was so cosmopolitan. There were people from all over the world. And if Jesus would die publicly to save you and I, how can we live silently and in private? Every interaction is an opportunity. When you're at work, people are reading your life. When you're at school, they are reading your life. When you're at the restaurant, how you talk to the waiter, the waitress, how you tip, come on somebody. Oh, man, they're reading. You're at the grocery store. You're at the gas station. Every connection, when you're talking to the neighbor, every interaction is a kingdom opportunity. Number one, we live differently. Number two, we live publicly. Number three, we live attractively. We live attractively. Look, look at what it says again. Live wisely among those who are not believers. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be gracious and attractive so that you will have the right response for everyone. I like that word, attractive. Let, let your speech be gracious and attractive. You know, Jesus is attractive. You think about this. The holiness of heaven wrapped up in human flesh, walking among the brokenness and dysfunction of our world, and yet the most notorious sinners, they were drawn to Jesus. Think about it. There was something so compelling about our Jesus. Prostitutes felt comfortable at his feet. 
tax collectors, those despicable, wicked men of Israel, they wanted to have lunch with Jesus. The Samaritan woman at the well, she had lived a, a, a wild and crazy life, and, and yet one conversation with Jesus, she, she runs into the village and says, come meet a man who told me everything that I ever did. Come meet a man. Well, she'd been with five men. They're thinking, well, is this, is this number six? Oh, but this was a man that would change everything. Would you feel comfortable? That, that, I mean, come meet a man who told me everything that I ever did. Well, her past was so safe with Jesus. She said, you got to come see him. Come, come meet this man. People, I mean, they ripped roofs off just to get to him. They crowded him when he would teach, so he had to teach from a boat. Here's the problem. We have received the irresistible love of God, but sometimes we live in a very resistible way. If Jesus is attractive, then the way that we live and love and serve has to be equally attractive. Come on, are you catching this? You know, I mean, you, you got the right stuff on the inside of you. You want to come across in a way that's compelling and engaging. I was praying here last night, and, you know, nobody was in the building. I had a chance just to, to pray and prepare for this moment. And then I was thinking, I was laying hands on some seats, and I was walking up here on this front row. I saw these boxes that our prayer partners have. You know, we have, we have breath mints in these boxes. How many of you are thankful for breath mints? There's a reason why our prayer partners have breath mints. Somebody say, thank you, Jesus. Because if you come forward for prayer <laughs> and you get met by dragon breath, if you fall out, we're going to assume that it's in the spirit. No, why is that important? Because listen, there's an aroma that, that should be consistent in the body of Christ that's up in heaven. There ought to be something compelling and irresistible about you. If Jesus was so irresistible 2,000 years ago and we have the spirit of Christ living in us, then there ought to be something attractive and compelling inside of us. There ought to be something like a magnet. I'm telling you, I believe God wants us to be people of passion. And there's, there, there, when you are filled with passion, you're like a magnet. Man, you just, people, they want to be around you. They want to be a part of you. What is that fire that's burning inside of you? Listen, I remember a number of years ago man, during worship. I know you're not supposed to look and check people out during worship, but I, but I was. And, and, and there's right here in this section on the second row, there was this older lady. She's like grandma. You know, she had snow white hair, had big glasses, wearing a sweater, had her little pendant on. And man, she was worshiping God. She was, I mean, the music was rocking and she was just like, yes, Lord. Just, I mean, just pumping the roof. I mean, she had her grandkids beside her, and so she grabbed their hands and was like, no, no, get your hands out of your pocket. You lift those hands up. And so, man, those kids, oh, man, thank you, Lord. <laughs> man, she, as she commanded that entire second row. And so after church, I'm like, man, listen, I, I, I don't mean to be nosy, but I got to figure out, you know, what, what's going, who are you and how can I get what you have? So she started telling me her story. She said, I'm 82 years old. 82. And that woman had more energy than most 17-year-olds. Come on. She had a fire inside of her. She started telling me, well, I know what God did for me. I know what God saved me from. She said, I've been walking with the Lord for a long time. And it spoke something to me. I think the older we get in God, the more fired up we should be about him. 
because we know where we came from, and each day gets sweeter. Say, oh, well, listen, well, you know, I just, you know, you see a Christian that, that first comes to meet the Lord, and he's so on fire, and then sometimes you sit back and you judge him. Ah, just give them give a minute. Yeah, they'll, they'll settle down. They'll get old and cranky like me. It's like, what? No way. Are you kidding me? There's nothing. I, I read the Bible. There's no word called retire. It's not in the scriptures. There's a word in there called refire. Come on, somebody. It's revival stirring back up within you. And I believe that the passion of God inside of you, it commands the attention of the world around you. There are, you say, Mike, how do we live attractively? The scripture says, let your speech be always with grace. One translation says, let it be seasoned with salt. Your speech got to have little Tonys. Come on, talk to me. See, look, in the South, we know about Tonys, don't we? Sweet tea and Tonys. I'm telling you, we're the envy of the world. Let your speech be seasoned with salt. In other words, the words that we speak, they ought to be full of life. I mean, you got to be speaking life to people around you. Now, watch what comes out of your mouth because what's coming from your mouth is an indication of what's in your heart. Come on, what are you saying? Let your speech be seasoned with salt. How do we live attractively our speech? I want to ask the band to come up. The way that we talk, but also the way that we serve, our serve. What makes Christianity attractive? It's when people like you and me, we see a need and we offer a hand. We, we serve the world around us. To be a healing place for a hurting world, you know what it requires? It requires a little bit of this. You hurting? Okay. I'm going to get in there with you. What, what, what can I do to help? And not just, okay, I'm going to pray for, for you from a distance. Remember the story of the Good Samaritan? He saw the man in the ditch. What did he do? Got down in that ditch with him. Hey, I'm going to help you. See, it's not only a, a heart filled with passion, but it's hands that are committed to serve. What, what, what makes the church attractive? It's not just what we say, but it's what we do. And the last thing I'll share is this. And I think this is for somebody in here today. It's not just our speech, and it's not just our serve, but I think it's our suffering as well. I'm telling you, I feel this so strongly. Somebody here today needs to receive this because you're in a season of suffering. And a watching world sees how we handle hard times. Because listen, everybody's going through something. Everybody is fighting something. And some of you have, and, and, and let me just tell you this, as your pastor, I want you to know how impressed and inspired I am to see how you have handled suffering and struggle. I know some of you. I've walked with you through some of your most difficult days. You got a diagnosis. It said terminal. 
doctors said that you've got limited time. And I've seen you dig in with your faith and you trusted God, saying, Lord, my times are in your hands. I've seen it. I've seen some of you that have had to bury a son. You've lost a daughter. It's not supposed to be that way. Our kids are supposed to bury us, and yet you walk through such heartache, and you've struggled through grief, but you haven't grieved alone. You haven't lost hope because you know that this life is not all there is. I've seen some of you battle through uh, addiction, and I mean, you long to be free, and, and, and you've taken steps of faith, and sometimes it feels like you take one step forward and two or three steps back, but you've never given up. And you've leaned and you've trusted God, and you, you, you've experienced the grace of God to move you out of bondage into a season of freedom. I've seen you struggle, and I know that your suffering, it speaks so well of your faith in God. The Bible says Jesus himself endured some things. The Bible says we look unto Jesus, who is the author and the finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross. Let me tell you, church, you've got to set joy in front of you. Because if you can set joy in front of you, you can endure anything. If Jesus could endure the suffering of the cross because of the joy that was set before him, I want you to know that on the other side of your suffering, oh man, there is a promise, there is a joy, there is a peace. Thank you for listening. Take a moment and subscribe so you can become a part of the community here and stay up to date with what is happening at Healing Place Church. For more information about HPC, visit healingplacechurch.org.